you're listening to a Rogue Agents episode rebroadcast that the Longbox Crusade crew made for the other podcast network where we do a little work on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. We encourage you to check out on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast and its feed for new episodes and additional content. We hope you enjoy these older Rogue Agents episodes re-released here on the Longbox Crusade Network. This is Simon Jowett, writer of James Bond comic books for Dark Horse, and you are listening to On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. You're listening to Rogue Agents, episode 11, featuring Ian Fleming's James Bond 007 Case Files, Solstice, from Dynamite Comics. episode of the Rogue Agents Podcast, a part of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast channel, brought to you by our fine Patreon sponsors and White Rocket Entertainment. I'm your host, Agent Dark Web, but you can call me Delvin if you know me, and joining me as co-agents are, uh, let's start with Jared Albrecht, aka the RSL Artist. Some know him as Death Probe, and he will tell me the most 007 thing that he has done since last episode. Well, most 007 thing I've done since the last episode, I recently went and braved this pandemic world we have, and mm-hmm. I did a convention in Atlanta. So I would say it was like the time that Roger Moore went into Drax's lair with the gas masks and all, <laughs> all that jazz, <laughs> but it ended up being just fine. Uh, nobody got sick. Fine. You know, I'd been vaccinated, so I was feeling all right about it, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I went out into the real world, man, gas mask in hand. And uh, it went well though. It, it went really well. So that's the most bond risky thing that I've done since we last recorded. The real world can be scary. And I'm glad that you, came back intact and with us. We would hate to have lost you, Jared. <coughs> I appreciate it. Uh-oh. I appreciate it. Oh, boy. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> die on mute. <laughs> For some reason, these two rats I have here are just fine. <laughs> I'm starting to feel a little weak. Well, while we are um, pondering the fate of Agent Jared, we will move on to Agent Weasel Skull himself, Jason Albrecht. Jason, same question. What is the most... Bond-like thing that you've done since last episode. Well, unfortunately, I'm still waiting on my jab, as they say. Haven't been vaccinated yet, so I'm still well quarantined here. So not a lot of opportunities to do James Bond things. So I've been continuing my quest to read the James Bond novels and recently just finished up Thunderball, which was an excellent novel. And I'm looking forward to continuing my adventure. Nice. I heard that they call the vaccine shot, uh, they call it the Fauci Alchi. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, right? Delvin, that, that is such a good one. I started that. That was me. What? No, oh, no, I just made that up, dude. What are you talking about? Moving on, uh, we have uh, Pat Sampson, a.k.a. Agent Christatos. But don't get 
could you please tell us the most Bond-like thing that you have done since last episode, Pat? Well, the most Bond-like thing I have been doing, and you may have heard it through some episodes out there, either on the Longbox Crusade or even on this network, where I have been putting out there some false news, so to say, mm. of Delvin winning the rookie agents. I have been mm. falsely taking it down mm. and sneakily putting up that I have won because I am the winner of the agents, rookie agents. I watched all 25 movies. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yep. We did the trivia. I won it. That's true also. Yeah. Mm, all 24 episodes, I won. Oh so I just wanted to let it be known, you know? So it's possible that, like, maybe you're infected with some, you know, virus that's causing you to lose your memory or something. But it's okay. You know, help is on the way. We will we'll find <laughs> help. Oh, boy. Oh, God. <sighs> And yet Again. the new rats are still okay. <laughs> you know, when you put rats in this little hole and they're going to fight and they're going to eat at each other, eventually one of those rats is going to... I just used this bit on the music episode I did with Alan that we recorded. <laughs> <laughs> so that sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and uh, since we have heard... From the esteemed gentleman himself, we are joined by the one, the only Alan J. Porter, who also gets to tell us the most Bond-like thing that he has done recently. Uh, let me think about that. I guess it might have mm. something to do with a certain 50-page <laughs> book that just came out. Three hundred thousand words. 5,000 individual entries, 453 pages, 271 stories covered, 80 original illustrations. It all adds up to one book. The James Bond Lexicon, the unofficial guide to the worlds of James Bond in movies, novels, TV, and comics by Alan J. Porter and Jillian J. Porter. Now available from White Rocket Books and via your favorite online bookstore. For more information, visit the companion website at jamesbondlexicon.online or follow us on Twitter at BondLexicon. Yeah, I guess I wrote a book about James Bond, along with my wife, before she hears this and tells me off. <laughs> Good. Call. Never, never forget your co-author, particularly when you're married to them. So, <laughs> yeah, tell James, us about that, please. The James Bond lexicon, 451 pages, everything you wanted to know about the world of James Bond in movies, novels, comics, TV, and all that sort of good stuff. 5,000 individual entries and lots of good illustrations, and a lot of work is taking us to get this out and it will be out in early april so uh pretty uh pretty excited to actually be holding a print copy in my hand and seeing it head out into the wild so well it looks amazing and like where can you buy this it will be on amazon and hopefully on some of the other online bookstores as well well i'm getting me mine kids thank you did you mention how much it is going to cost i believe it will be around 35 Dollar mark. I don't know the exact price yet, but I think it'll be around thirty-five bucks, which is cheap for four hundred and fifty pages. No, that absolutely is. it is. That, <laughs> yeah, sounds, nope. that sounds like an absolute treasure trove for thirty-five dollars. Yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. It is a steal. Ladies and gentlemen, please go and pick that up. And so it basically, looks like you could use that as a bond instrument as well, too, to knock somebody over with on the head. That thing's heavy. Yeah, I was actually thinking you could just put it down the shirt and it'd be bulletproof vest or something. I there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so basically what you're saying is James Bond would have to write a book to be like you. Yeah, well, but he did in one, some of the Fleming stuff. It talks about him writing a manual, so. Oh, that's very, true. Yeah. Very so, true. Yeah. So. All right. I finished my book. He didn't. He never did. So, are you sure about that, Alan? Are your facts on James Bond? <laughs> no, I'm not sure right now. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. That is excellent. And with that out of the way, this episode is the 11th episode of our ongoing series on this channel called MI6 Rogue Agents, where we traverse the 007 universe. That can mean books. That can mean music. That can mean video games. Essentially, any medium that connects to the Bond franchise that we love so much here at On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. Uh, but before we get started, I had a question for the senior agents, and I'm going to give Pat some time if he wants to join in on this. But since this episode is about Solstice, the comic book, and this is kind of an issue where James Bond goes a little bit off mission, a little bit. Craig, it's been a few times. A little bit rogue, not quite rogue. I mean, since, you know, he's doing what M, he's doing a favor yeah. for M, it's kind of rogue, but not quite like full rogue. So my question is, what's your favorite time from the Bond franchise where James has gone off mission? Jared is raising his hand. He is ready. I already know what Jared's going to say. So pick me. Jared. No, I, no, <laughs> I, I got to go with him first. But like, Jared, am I right in that? Are you going to say license to kill? Oh, that is correct. You you don't have to call on me anymore. You got it correct. Nineteen eighty nine license to kill. I love it. You know it's my favorite movie. Absolutely loving him. Go rogue on that man. Love it. Love it. All right. What do you got, Jason? What do you think? Well, you know, license to kill for me too, as far as the Bond franchises or the movie franchise is concerned. But as you know, I may have mentioned I've been diving into the book, so I am now a, starting to become more of a literary Bond uh, maestro. Right. I'd right. say. And so I like the short story for your eyes only, which had a very similar feel to this, where it's M using Bond as his personal weapon. I definitely got that vibe reading this book. And so that's that's what popped into my head when you asked the question. The Ian Fleming short story for your eyes only. Fantastic. What about you, Alan? Jason just stole what I was going to say. But yeah, basically, yeah, the for your eyes only short story. Again, this comic story reminded me of that and um, really it is the first time in any of the franchise i think where bond goes rogue or is on an unauthorized mission in this case so yeah highly recommend the fiori's only short story if you've not read it it's a pretty good one but as far as the movie franchise goes then yeah it's got to be the first time he goes rogue with license to kill nice yes nice. that is the first thing that i thought of as well and that was the first movie that i rated a seven one of these days we're gonna have to go back and watch those that that'd be uh absolute pleasurable thing to do. Pat, did you have anything that you wanted to add to that? Did, did something pop up in your head? Yeah. I knew Jarrett was going to say license to kill. And you've always, you know, that's always come out that way. But for me, being the newer agent and, you know, just that we got to see all these movies from start to finish in a row like we did. I liked Skyfall. When I think about it, he goes. Excuse me, I'm leaving. Bye. Okay. <laughs> oh, do you want me to just, uh, here, I can remove you, Alan. <laughs> I, I, you know, and I'm, I'm a Craig guy. I, I think I like the Craig, so I think a Skyfall. 
See, I am absolutely okay with that. And, and since I'm the host, I'm glad that we can end that on a positive note as Alan glares down. And I think Jason and Jerry <laughs> might. What are you doing with that book, Alan? Put that book down. <laughs> Jason and Jared might be plotting a funeral, but it's okay. It's all love here. I hope. I hope. Put the knives away while I go on to the subject for this episode, which is Ian Fleming's James Bond 007 Case Files Solstice from Dynamite Comics. The publisher, again, Dynamite Comics, the writer and artist of Solstice was Ibrahim Mustafa, and the cover price for the individual issue was $4.99. There are additional credits that went to Jordan Boyd and Simon Bowen, and I did a little bit of research, and I couldn't determine what they did, but they had a contribution to the book, probably coloring and uh, lettering would be my assumption. This was published in November 22nd, 2017, and here's a very quick plot description that I used the dynamite.com site for inspiration. 007 accepts an unofficial mission from M to investigate a Russian agent who is dating a British foreign national who happens to be M's daughter. James travels to Paris in pursuit of him, but is Bond the hunter or the hunted? We're about to find out. But first, we got to ask, is this a first read or reread of this particular comic book for everyone? And we can start with Alan. This is definitely a reread. I actually read it twice for this, so it's probably my third and fourth time of reading it. Nice, nice. Pat, what about you? It's a first read for me. Nice, nice. Jason? It's a reread for me. And last but not least, Jared? I haven't read it at all. I don't believe you. <laughs> all right, it's a reread. <laughs> <laughs> because astute listeners to Rogue Agents will know that I brought James Bond M for the last time that I hosted Rogue Agents. During that discussion, people brought up Solstice and how Solstice was just such a kick-butt book. And I'm like, well, hey, okay, fine. That makes my next choice easy. I wanted to read it myself and see what all the fuss was about. So that is what brings us to this particular uh, issue. Uh, Now let's discuss some highs and lows. Jared, why don't you start us off with a higher low about the book? Oh, so many highs. I want to pull a pat and just go and go <laughs> and talk hey, hey, hey. and talk. Oh, all right. I'll narrow it down to one. I'll narrow it down to my favorite moment that I think Ibrahim Mustafa absolutely nails this character and his relationship with him. It is on about page oh five or so when James makes his way to M's office and he says, good morning, sir. And M replies, good morning, James. And it immediately cuts to James' eyes, and he's like, oh, well, let's go. He does not call him James, ever. And then he goes, Emma goes on to say, good to see you. Have a seat. And James is just like, what kind of shenanigans is this? And it's just that one panel with the eyes and the expression tells you everything you need to know. You're about to get a personal favor asked of you. This has nothing to do with business, and I love it. And then there's a subtlety of him clicking that electronic interference just in case there were eyes or ears listening in on that. It's like, "Mm -mm, no one's listening to this at all. That buzz came up a few times, but I should talk. I should pass it on to, let's go with Jason. Jason, do you have a higher low to add? Yeah, Jared kind of took mine coming out of the gate, but I'll go just a little bit before that with the interplay between 
Bond and Money Penny in the office. That felt so right. It felt like the original Sean Connery and Lois Maxwell trading lines and innuendos. And I just really enjoyed that. It set up the cheery mood, the festive mood, and then you move into the M's office. And like Jared says, as soon as he gets that, hello, James, it's like the curtain just comes down. He's like, ooh, my day just about to get bad. <laughs> so yeah, the mood, the whole interplay in the office with Money Penny, I enjoyed that. Yeah. And if not bad, then definitely interesting. And you don't want to be an agent and living in interesting times, I don't think. Alan, a higher low from you, sir. Actually, I'm going to go with a low. And my low was I read through this book twice looking for something to have a negative comment about, and I couldn't find one. <laughs> I love so, it. So my <laughs> low was that I actually couldn't find any low points. Um, this is, <laughs> it's the perfect self-contained kick-ass James Bond told him one story. Yeah. I deliberately went back and reread it again for this, looking for something negative, and I ended up leaving the minus column blank. So that's my low. It frustrated me looking for for a low, and I couldn't find it. I had one thing that kind of bothered me, and I'm interested in Alan's opinion on it, is if I had to give one low, and I'm kind of pulling a pat here, but the part where Bond is with Q and the gadget doesn't work. See, to me, that was kind of almost like a cardinal sin, like, Q's gadgets always work. There's interplay and back and forth, but there's never a question that this gadget that Q gives him is going to work or not. Did you have kind of a similar feeling or maybe it's just me? I didn't for a couple of reasons. One, I've worked in the software business long enough that when somebody presses a button and it doesn't do what you want it to do, that's not a problem. That's just an undocumented feature. (laughs) (laughs) And the other thing is that it paid off in the end, that Bond used the fact that it functions in a different way at the end as a payoff. And I loved that payoff with it. And also it set up the running gags of the equipment malfunction dialogue between Q and Moneypenny and M and yeah, just the running gag all the way through. So it set up so much and it paid off at the end that it didn't bother me that much. Fair enough. And with all this positivity going, we're, we're going to go to Peppy Pat now, who's going to give us more positivity. Am I right, Pat? You are right, but I will have to say, Alan kind of stole a little bit of my thunder when he said that, you know, this is an all-encompassing Bond, I want to say movie or just a little short story here. But this is, I mean, if I was new, somebody, me, new, coming into Bond, just newly doctrinated agent, and somebody said, hey, you know, tell me a little bit more about this bond. What What is it? I would give them this issue because it's so precise and compact. You have the opening scene. You have the gadgets, as Jason was talking about, the little wordplay there. You have the wordplay with him and Moneypenny. You have the strictness with M. Then you have the spiness going on, the stickiness going on. And then you have just the brutal fight that happens. Man, this comic is Bond all wrapped up. And you can give this away to everybody and they would enjoy it. Yeah, there's a lot I could say about that fight in particular to where there were some pretty good jujitsu. But again, I'm hosting, so I'm going to just be doing more of the passing there. But that jujitsu was awesome. And we will go for a second round and give it back to Death Pro, Jared. Well, I'm going to keep that thought rolling there, Delvin, because as uh, some of our listeners may know, I was a combat self-defense instructor for many years. And I loved the fight scene. I mean, I'm editing this, so I can use all the bad words I want and bleep them. 
This no-name Russian mother thought he was going to beat James Bond in this fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But I will say this. He, he was good as he got there for a little while. But no, I love the choreography of the fight panel, the panel. Ibrahim Mustafa wasn't doing that thing where he was doing sexy splash page fight stuff. He had a choreographed fight in his mind, and he put it on paper very well. Very, you know what I'm about to say, Delvin, Norm Brayfogle-ish. Norm Brayfogle was the king of that. This is just right in that wheelhouse. So, yes, I'm going to key in on the fight and say it was amazing. I want to add something. There, at one point, the Russian had Bond in about the worst position that he could have possibly been in. Bond was on his belly with the guy basically on his back. And that is a terrible position. And Bond knew it. So it was like, okay, yep, he got me on this one. So I got to fight dirty. Reach for that pin and stab him. And it was, it was perfect. That is like, it's a street fight. There is no, rules there on the street fight so you gotta use what you got and bond did that excellently pat what do you have to add i was just going to add in that fight in the living room area that page jared said you know about a splash page that single page of just how it's laid out of the room but yet there's different panels there's like one two mm-hmm. three four five six yeah. seven panels but they're all in the same room but but how the artist just kind of targets each area as they fought through it man i felt that and i felt it kind of going through that room like that that was just awesome yeah great panel layout just from a comic making point of view i had to laugh though because we talked about the payoff joke you know to hit remote detonate actually did the flare what if it worked this time and somewhere like 2,000 miles away, that door blew up. <laughs> Over in Turkey, this door just like, boom! You know? <laughs> then, then James would take the take it off and just throw it at him. <laughs> but yeah, no, great observation there, Pat, too. The panel layout with the static of the room behind the action. Thank oh, you. Thank gorgeous. you for those artsy words, yes. You know, at the risk of having this piece go on a, a little too long, I did get to meet Ibrahim Mustafa and I had him sign my copy of this. And we talked a lot about that fight scene. And essentially he, he told me that he was intentionally going for many of the things that you guys all brought up tonight, that he wanted that fight scene to be realistic. He wanted to use each panel. So like, you know, he intentionally, there's that one scene where he kicks the guy and literally kicks him from one panel into the next panel. He wanted to have a storyboard. Like, you would see it laid out for a movie, and I just thought that was really interesting. You know, I congratulated him on just such a beautiful issue, just from stem to stern. This book is perfect, James Bond. Yeah, I straight up love that. That kick itself was almost the beginning of the end of the fight. That's a basic push kick or thrust kick that is designed to get distance away from the opponent. And sure enough, he just he kicked him right into the room, knocked him off balance. It was the beginning of the end. Yeah. I said I wasn't going to talk about it. I was made myself a total liar. We will pass it off to uh, Jason. You got any highs or lows about the book? The only part that we haven't really talked about is the ending, which I thought wrapped up beautifully with Bond and M, Christmas Day, Money Penny working through Christmas Day, Bond, you know, so I got no family, nowhere else to be. And they end up spending that Christmas Day there. What's beautiful is what's not said. There's the code of silence between him and Bond, and it's not broken in this book. And that's one place where I thought, if they're going to ruin it, this is where they're going to ruin it, by having this 
exposition about how hard it is to raise a child and the job, blah, 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 blah. No, it is what it is. And we're on to the next mission. Fini. I loved it. And so it goes. Well done, Jason. Alan, what about you? I got a long list of high points, which we wouldn't get through, but a couple of the guys have touched on it already. It's just comics storytelling techniques in this, knowing when to use dialogue, knowing when to use silent pages. There's a lot of the action. There's actually no sound effects, no dialogue. It's just silent pages. They work really, really well. The coloring that sets up the different moods between the office, them being in France, the nighttime streets in Paris, the apartment fight that you talked about, and knowing when to use dialogue, when not to use dialogue, how to transition the page. I mean, this is just a masterclass in comic storytelling techniques in just this number of pages. As Pat really said, it's a mini James Bond movie from the pre-credit sequence, action sequence, to Q's lab, to Money Penny, to M, the mission, the fight, the payoff, the coder at the end. I don't know. It's just a perfect example of James Bond in comics and a great example of the comic storytellers art, too. Pat, take it home for us. One thing that I really like, and I do appreciate uh, you bringing these comics in, Del, and I think Jason also brought in uh, one for Crusademus as well, too. Jared, did you bring one, too? Yep. Okay, so you guys brought in these bonds, and I really appreciate it because I like this universe. I like the characters. You know, it's a little bit different, but I like them. I would like to see these characters, you know, maybe in the next film. You know, I could see the different, you know, the kind of pulling from every Bond series or things like that. But I really like them. I like M. I like Money Penny in this. I like Bond. I like um, Lighter. Uh, I just really enjoy these comic series. I, I want to read more. Well, yeah. I have James Bond case files here, and I've mentioned it a couple of times. And in order to get this book, I went ahead and bought it off of Amazon. I haven't read the rest of them, but you better believe that I'm going to. And one of them is M, which we covered, but yeah. one um, is about Money Penny, and one is called Service, and I'm not sure what that one's about. So I'm interested to see what the heck that's going to be about. But if it's going to be in the same quality, as M was, as the books that Jared and Jason bought over uh, on our network, Longbox Crusade, then I'm absolutely looking forward to it. It's it's a really cool thing when you have a production like Dynamite, who I'm sure had to fight for this property. And when they got the property, they handled it with love and care. And it shows. This book was a Christmas special. Compare that to like a Marvel or DC Christmas special where it's like 80 pages and it's kind of fluffy and it, there's not really any weight to it. And it's like, I spent $5 on, on this, really? And, and you get this book and it's like, oh my goodness, crazy, yeah, I, craziness. I could watch a, like a short animated series. Man, if they did these characters in an animated series, oh, I'd be all over this. Absolutely, oh, man. Alan, you like you got something to add, sir? Yeah, I know. I was just going to add to Pat's thing. I've said this um, on quite a few uh, interviews and, and podcast shows over the last several years, pretty much since Dynamite came out of the gate with the first series of Varga. I think the Dynamite comics is the best modern interpretation of James Bond, of the franchise. Way better than the, than the recent movies. If you really want to read what a contemporary or enjoy a contemporary Bond, just read the Dynamite comic series, all of them. 
I think there's only really, to my mind, been one that's been slightly below par. The rest of them have been really top notch. The body, right? The body. body. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which was an interesting experiment that didn't quite work. I understand what they were going for. But yeah, the Warren Ellis ones, the ones written by Andy Diggle, a lot of these one-offs service, the Kieran Gillen one you just mentioned, is really good. They're all really, really top notch. And for me, this is the bond of the 21st century is the Dynamite Comics bond. Come on, Serpent's Tooth was baller, yo. <laughs> Who doesn't love Serpent's Tooth? Yeah, Serpent's Tooth's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I got to attack on Delvin just to take up more space. I know Delvin just mentioned that he got the case files, the hardbound one. I just want to plug that to our listeners, because not only does it have all those stories we just mentioned, it has some really great bonus material. I'm looking at some Ibrahim Mustafa layouts and drawings, uh, page layouts, alternate covers. They do put a lot of cool bonus material in these hard covers, so I just wanted to plug that real quick. And I wanted to give my own editor's note. Like, yeah, I looked all over the internet to see about, you know, credits. And the main name I saw was Ibrahim Mustafa. And all I had to do was look in the doggone book that I bought <laughs> to find out that Jordan Boyd was the colorist for the book and Simon Boland was the letterer for the book. So there we go. We now know what Jordan Boyd and Simon Boland did for the book. All right, so we had an excellent discussion on that, and we should go to a few fun facts. I'm going to uh, try and do a little bit of French for you guys very quick, so uh, bear with me. There was a conversation in the book that were a few panels that were in French, and the first one said something to the effect of Tu equipe pour vous selon la demande de Monsieur Mathis Je vous voir si tu va bien. Loosely, that means here's what you wanted according to the request of Mr. Mathis. I leave you to see that everything is okay. And Bond replies, great, and then says thank you to Mathis. Then Bond calls to uh, the Front de Riviere, where he confirms his reservation for tonight and says he'll see them soon. Please refuel and assure my car is ready upon arrival. To which the hotel replies, we hope to see you soon. Last, the bellhop tells James, your car, I hope it is right for you. And Bond says, thank you. Thank you, Delvin. I was wondering, I was reading that and I'm like, I can't read this. I don't know what they're saying. But the art is so nice and how it's laid out. You got, I got the thought of what was happening there. I actually really like it in comics when they don't translate foreign languages like that. They, they like the art. Like in a movie when they don't put subtitles, but you get the context from what's yeah. happening. It I should be the same in comics. And it, I love the fact that the French people were speaking French. And by the way, that car, when we were working on the lexicon, I actually had to email Ibrahim and ask him what car it was because I didn't recognize it straight off. It's a Talbot Largo 12C, I think, which was made between 1946 and 1953. So he, he picked a really <laughs> wow, <it's> niche. <laughs> niche <laughs> car for Bond to drive and it's a cool looking car so yeah yeah. how much time did he put into this Alan do you know I'm- I don't know but it was a lot I first got to know of him because he did a, an amazing series of posters for the Bond movies he went off and re- basically did a whole series of redesigning very minimalist posters for the Bond movies and I think that's what brought him to the attention of Dynamite too so yeah I don't know how, how much work he put into them but uh for me, he, I wish they'd have him on the regular Bond series. I mean, he's, that Skyfall poster was my favorite. Yeah. I have to see these That's now. Okay. This sounds interesting. 
Yeah, I wouldn't mind looking at those either. Just the artwork that he put in there, the, the clean lines. And he did something similar to what Bob Q did, where Bob Q did his own. Well, I think Bob Q even did his own colors. And we asked him why. And he just likes being able to control that aspect of having his inks and colors all set up and lined in a row. So I'd be interested to see why Ibrahim likes to do his pencils and inks at the same time, too, because a lot of people have just opted for the pencils. I mean, to write the book and to draw it and to do the inks absolutely had to be a labor of love. And it seemed like he delivered, but we don't know that yet until we get to the rating. So I got to remind you all of the rating system. We go on a scale of one to seven here on Rogue Agents, where seven means that you loved it. It shook your martini. Six means that it was excellent. Five, very good. Four, good. Three, just okay. Two, not so good. And one, you hated it. It stirred your martini, which really is gross. And you just got to throw it out. But I don't think we're on the one end of this. But I don't know. I got to ask. And we can start with Alan. What would you rate this book? What would you rate Solstice, sir? Well, actually, before I get to that, I'm going to give it a little plug for Ibrahim. So, one, because I've only ever spoken to him via email and Twitter, but he seems like a nice guy and he does great work. The movie post is if all 24 are on his website, ibrahammustafa.com slash James Bond movie posters. You can see all 24 of his James Bond movie posters in there. Really cool. I also want to plug his latest thing because I just read it. Nothing to do with James Bond, but he's just done a graphic novel called Count, which is a retelling of the Count of Monte Cristo in a science fiction setting. And it is awesome. Um, I think it came out like two weeks ago. Highly recommend it. Um, If you're like me and you like the Alexander Dumas stories, it takes the basis of those, adds his own twist to it. And it's a really, really good read. And again, really well put together and laid out and colored and great artwork. Anyway, I'll stop plugging somebody else's work now. (laughs) So what do I want to give this? I guess it's no surprise, considering my leading remarks, this is a pure seven. As Pat rightly said, if you were going to give anybody one James Bond comic to introduce them to bonding comics, this is the one to give to somebody to introduce them to bonding comics. That is awesome. And, well, it's not up to me to agree or disagree with that, even though I definitely have comments in my head that as a host I have to keep. It's very frustrating, I have to admit. (laughs) And I'm going to pass it off to, let's go with Jason. Jason's off mute. Jason, what would you rate Solstice? Yeah, it is hard to host and hold back comments. I'm sometimes not successful to Jared and Pat's dismay. (laughs) That's putting it mildly 007. I'm going to give it a 7 as well. All the reasons that Alan and Pat so eloquently summed up. Yeah, if you pick some rando off the street and they knew nothing about James Bond, you could give them this comic and it's a perfect primer. A perfect primer. Very alliterative, sir. And let's keep the alliteration of perfect primer and go to Pat. I'm going to give it a 7-2, man. I love this one. I wasn't going into it, what to expect out of it, but the so delivered everything that I wanted in a Bond and then some. So very cool. Last but certainly not least is Jared. Well, I hate to be an I told you so. What am I talking about? I love it. I told you this was the better M comic between the two, and the other one was really good. Absolutely 100% giving this a seven. Great book. Let me ask you this, Jared, though. You say it's an M comic. 
It's really not though. It's a, it's a Bond story. I like Shut really. Up, Pat. <laughs> You know, so I was reading it. And I thought, I wonder if anybody's going to notice this. this sure. All right, I'll, I'll just kick my. I'll just. Kick, I'll just remove myself don't, from the stream don't call here. Us so out hold like on. That. Don't call us. I guess technically you're right. It was never really an M comic. It just had more M in it. So fair enough. He's on the first and the last page. You don't have to read the stuff in the middle. It makes. Sense. <laughs> but, but I'm not. I'm not trying to put that you down or anything. I was just like. I really you know, enjoyed I, the M one too. So I'm going to be absolutely honest with you, Pat. It wasn't until you called me out on that BS at this exact moment that I realized that the actual title of the comic is not M Solstice. And I could see where I thought it was on the cover. It says Solstice and with the E this way, I just assumed because the E is readers can't see it. It's tilted 90 degrees. So it looks like an M. So I thought it was an M comic and I was W R O N G wrong. Congratulations, Pat. Ah. You've you've bested I, the senior agent this round, my friend. <laughs> See, I am the winner. It goes back, folks. See, I'm the winner of right, the agent. I'm the winner of that. He duped us. It duped us. But M was at the start of this book, and I think the one thing that we didn't mention, and it got my attention immediately, even though I saw where M was tilting to where how even he described that there's this agent. That was courting this foreign national. And James Bond was kind of like, yeah, this doesn't really seem like my department. And M's kind of like giving him the stare. And he just holds up the picture. And then Bond sees it and he just, what do you need, sir? And it's like, oh. Mm-hmm. So, like, that character moment of that, as soon as Bond saw the resemblance and knew exactly what M didn't say, to the end of it, to where that fight, where the choreographed fight to that jujitsu at the end where he took the bat, and ended the dude's, ended the fight and the guy's life with a rear naked choke. Fantastic. It was a fantastic book. And even as a reference book, if that's the first book that you give someone, this is a book that someone could go back to and look at and just see the character beats of Bond and M and Money Penny and even Q and how everything was laid out and go back to it. So yeah, even though M was a fantastic book and I enjoyed reading it, loved it, loved that history. And this, if I had to judge them, was the better book. And it's a seven for me as well. So sevens all around from the crew. It's fantastic. Delvin, can you just tell me what was that chokehold again called? A rear naked choke. Okay, thank you. I'll have to try that. <laughs> Who are you trying it on, Pat? I well, have you'll have idea. to stay tuned to the next episode, Delvin, <laughs> to see what kind of bondiness things I get up to next time. <laughs> just, just as long as we don't hear about you in the papers. <laughs> That's a good thing. Don't don't try that on someone in the street. You might be wanted for assault. All right. Now let's pass it over to our network founder, Van Plexico, to thank all the Patreon sponsors who make this show possible. So just go to www.plexico.net, P-L-E-X-I-C-O.net, or you can just go to patreon.com and search for White Rocket and join up. And it's for as little as a dollar a month, you get to be part of the show. And we send out, we, I post things occasionally on the Patreon page of interest, and you get previews, you get special deals, special offers, 
and discounts on things that we do, and you sometimes get shows before the uh, the regular audience does. Here are the fine folks who are currently keeping our programs on the air that we owe everything to. Samuel Salvatore and Bart Lindsay, uh, Bradley Blackman, Brian Gray, Chris Usher, Gary Grant, Logan Chilton, Phil Amthor, Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Tom Anderson, Willie Carden, and Kanjian. Hey, you falling up? Ben Bloodsworth. Clay Henson, Dan Thompson, Daniel Odom, David Evers, David Hegler, Emmanuel Seaman, George Gaston, Jacob and Robin Fleming, James Greenwell, Joel Beckham, John Otsuki, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Mickey B, Phil Davis, Preston Settle, Reynolds Wolf, Rich Reimer, Steve Harlan, Timothy, WDE Richie, Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, Winston Body, Alex Nguyen, Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger, Cato the Barner, Chris Hilton, Chris Thrash, Colby Butler, Danny Flack, plus Darius Benton, David Simpson, Dibama, Earl Ricks, Eric Mahan, Hugh Anderson, Josh Teal, Kevin Kenoy, Kevin Mahan, Lane Middleton, Mike Finley, Papa Todd, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Ross, Russell Milling, Shannon Butson, Sarah Hines, Shane Bailey, Snowdog, Stephen Houston, Tim Pittman, Todd Gray, Tony Perry, Auburn Elvis, Ben Amos, Brandon Sisson, Brandon Smith, Chris Camo, Darren Pyle, David Smiley, Donnie Reynolds, Plus, Ivor Evans, James Taylor, Jason Albrick, John Stubbs, John Zavachin, Joey Miller, Joseph Iliff, Justin Bean, Lawrence Kane, Mark Squire, Matthew Flowers, Mick Vigicana, Nicholas Craig, Patrick Williams, Paul Bankson, Robert Drain, Robert O. Sammons, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, that's the truth, Ruth, Spanky, Stephen Thompson, Trevor Johnson, Kenneth Brent Rains, Brant Rumble, and Chris Plus, our one-time and anonymous donors, we thank you all so much. Go to www.plexico.net or just go to www.patreon.com and sign up and join the family. And that's the show. As a reminder to our audience, if you like to be a part of the show, you can send us your questions, comments, or trivia challenges to ohmspod at outlook.com or over on our Twitter page, at OHMS pod. If you'd like, you can even use the email as a reminder. That's OHMS pod at outlook.com to send us an audio recording of your question or comment. And we might even play it on the show. Also, if you're an iTunes listener, we greatly appreciate it. If you left the review for the show, that will help raise the show's profile to attract more of the 007 family to this program. As a reward for leaving a review, we will read your entire review on an upcoming episode of MI6 Rogue Agents. So we have an audio send-in from the Rusty Agents themselves, um, Rick and Jeff of uh, Jeff and Rick Present, and uh, we haven't listened to it, so we're looking forward to seeing what it's called. All we know is that it's called Dr. No. Take it away. Good evening, Agents. This is Jeff from the Junior Mission Control Center, also known as Jeff and Rick Presents. I am providing this week's field report from the junior agents stationed in the Pacific Northwest. As usual, I surprised my fellow junior agent Rick during the recording of our regular podcast, Unpacking the Power Power Pack, with a pop quiz in the middle of our script. His answers are not prepared. Yeah, I tend I tend to do a lot of mix or moving around anyway, so... It's all good. All right, and I'm recording on that, too. Uh, let's go ahead and do our ad to start with. All right, so if Jeff, you guys are ready, start... then. Yep. All right. Your eyes say yes, but your mouth says no. Doctor no, that is. Pop quiz time, hot shots. 
In the 1962 film that launched the James Bond saga, Agent 007 battles the mysterious Dr. No, a scientific genius bent on destroying the U.S. space program. As the countdown to disaster begins, Bond must go to Jamaica to confront the megalomana... Bond must go to Jamaica to confront the meg... Megalomaniacal megalomaniacal villain in his massive island headquarters. In light of this, I would like you, Rick and Shag, the irredeemable Shag from the Fire and Water Network, to name five, count them, five fictional doctors. We need to name five fictional doctors, and the reason why is because this is a bit for On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, where we are going to add this into the notes that we send in, because we do a thing where we do pop quizzes on each other at various times that are inconvenient for people. So right now, that's where we're at. We need to name... Any, anything to irritate Jared is fine with me. Yeah, oh, actually, they, they find this hilarious, but uh, for us, uh, five doctors... Okay. Do we, do we have to agree, or do each come up with five? No, uh, a total of five. Uh, you don't even have to agree on them. Doctor Who. Mm. Uh, Doctor Quinn, medicine woman. Ooh, I like it. Doctor Doom. Yeah, yes. Doctor Doom. A classic. Uh, Remember, this is fictional doctors, so you can't say your pediatrician or your dentist. Right, right, your... right, right. Uh, <laughs> Doctor Bartlett from The West Wing, because I was watching West Wing. Oh today. wow, that's a good choice. Good choice. I'm liking all of them so uh, far. Let's see. We have. Uh, you know what? Uh, we need to say uh, Doctor Richards. Doctor Reed, Rich- Reed Richards. How Dr. does Reed he Richards. tie into this? How is he fictional? He's real. He's a really, really bad parent. Really, and a really, really bad, bad parent. Uh, really bad parent. <laughs> I what, when fine. I say he's do, real, I mean he's really. Do, bad. do you have another? Do you have another one off the top? Kick of your out head? another shag. Oh, Doctor Hank McCoy, Doctor Henry Pym. I mean, we there could we, we could go on for a long time here. I know these don't all have to be very hard. But oh, hey, um, Rick, your doctor sent me a message saying that you are to immediately take one of these. Training, as always, will continue in the field until our junior agents are able to handle any situation. Thank you for accepting our reports. Until next time, junior agents, signing out. You know, I get the feeling that regardless of whether they get it right or not, they're just going to shoot each other. (laughs) You go, Jeff. You go. (laughs) Seriously, though, if if your podcast studio is infected with shag for more than two to three hours, you you should probably call an exterminator. Yes. Oh my! He said your doctor says you should take one of these. Doctor says it's time for your shots. <laughs> and I didn't even see it coming. <laughs> you got duped. Call me in the morning. Blam! You got duped. Oh, <laughs> oh man! I love it how the table has now turned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, poor Jeff got shot like twenty times during our yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's still walking though. He's, He's still, still walking. Around. He's still around. I would have to say I'm surprised by Shag, and maybe I could be wrong in thinking this. You guys tell me if I misunderstood the rules, but, you know, I know Shag likes Dr. Fate. That was not a doctor. He didn't go to, and did he say Doctor Who? That was the first one. Okay. That was the first one. Okay. Yep. You call him Dr. Jones. Would Dr. Fate work? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. He's a fictional doctor, right? He is a fictional doctor. Mm-hmm. Unless there's like, you know, some actual Dr. Fate somewhere that's like, sir, hey, hey, hey. I exist. And just to bring this full circle back to James Bond, you know who got cast as Dr. Fate in the upcoming DC movie, Black oh, Adam, yes. Mr. Pierce M. F. A. Brosnan. Oh. Oh. Mm, that guy's dreaming. <laughs> what was that, Jared? That's uh, Thanks for the send-in, Jeff and Ray. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, I stand by it. It's dreamy. <laughs> As it kicks me in the nut. I said he's dreamy. <laughs> Blow it out your ass. <laughs> I would like to thank Pat, Jared, Jason, and Alan for joining me on this episode. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Alan, please start off. For James Bond stuff, you can always follow me on Twitter at Bond Lexicon, where you can get the latest news on any of our Bond-related projects. And if you'd like to know more about the book, you can always visit its companion website, jamesbondlexicon.online, or better yet, actually go buy a copy from us on Amazon. Nice. Jason? You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. Pat? Well, Jason, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Jared? I'm at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. Delvin, take us home. Yes, sir. You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y one nine seven seven. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of MI6 Rogue Agents. If you've enjoyed this crew and want to hear more from them, but in the realm of comic books, check out the Longbox Crusade. Pat, where can that be found? Well, Devin, I'm glad you asked. You can find us on the Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Longbox Crusade, or we're on the internet at www.longboxcrusade.com. Back to you. Thanks, Pat, and thank you to all the fellas for taking us on a yet another dangerous mission. Thanks to the listeners who tuned in. If you'd like to leave a question or comment on this or any other episodes, feel free to contact the show on Twitter at OHMSPod or email us at OHMSPod at Outlook.com. We hope to hear from you soon. The next episode of MI6 Rogue Agents will feature Jared's choice. But on a Majesty's Secrets podcast, we'll return. This episode features the James Bond GoldenEye 007 Trap Remix by The Whibbler.